All right. Well, I think that our world is pretty lost. I think that our, most people don't really think about life, and I don't think they have much idea what the point of life is. In our society, they think they've made so much progress in this, they tell you, chase your dreams. That's the point of life. But as I look around, I don't think we actually have a clue. You know, 2015 had one of the largest recorded years of suicide. LifeLine estimates that over 65,000 people attempt suicide in Australia each year. That's about 180 today. Chase your dreams? Sounds good, but I don't think it's working. So we need to see through the Instagram feed where everybody's living it up and loving life. We're living in a hurting world that longs for purpose, but it doesn't have the answers. I'm sure that you feel it because we all do. You want something to live for. You don't want to drift through your life being busy and never knowing why. What should we pursue in life? I'm going to pray again that we'd find out. Pray with me. Father, humble us and show us what the purpose of life is. We pray that you would reveal that to us. Lord, help us to see what you offer is awesome. Well, that's going to take a miracle, so we ask that you would do it. Amen. All right, so if you've been tracking with um, this book so far, you've seen that Jesus is a big boss of the universe, and he commands us to live a radical life. The way we speak, the way we even think, the way we think about marriage and sex, the way that we even love our enemies. In this passage, Jesus, big boss, he tells us the best ambition for life, the thing that should drive us. And here it is. The best ambition is to seek what God wants. Check it out in verse 33. Have a look there. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. God wants us to put his kingdom first. That will mean serving his people. It will mean telling people about Jesus so that um, the kingdom can grow as they put their trust in him. It will mean trying to live how God wants. That can be hard. Is it really the best? You might think that just sounds terrible. I'd probably rather just live for myself. But let me show you three reasons in this passage why seeking what God wants is actually awesome. Alright, so first, first reason, this ambition is best because it stores treasures that last. Check it out, verse 19, we're going to go to that section before we read. Um, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, vermin are just little things that eat and destroy everything, Um, and where thieves break in and steal. Why chase things that don't last? Nothing in this life lasts. Even if it does last your lifetime, your death will be the end of everything you own. Remember that next time you really want something. Your iPhone will get old. I can't even remember what model we're up to. It's like iPhone Z or something. Um, no one cares. Sorry, X. No one cares that you got the best and fairest award when you were 15. I can't even remember my exact ATAR anymore because no one actually cares. Um, 
Only people in year 12 care and their parents and insecure teachers that need to prove they're awesome. Um, <laughs> nothing lasts, okay? I can say that because I'm a teacher. Um, except one thing does last, it's heavenly things. Have a look, feature your eyes on verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. If you want something that lasts, then chase the treasures in heaven. If you want a purpose that lasts beyond your grave, store up treasures in heaven. How do you store up those treasures, though? So, um, well, as we do what God wants, as we put what He wants first, we'll be rewarded for that. Like the energy we spend on helping someone hold on to trust in Jesus, especially in tough times. Uh, then when we get alongside someone and we see them in heaven and we know that we help them get to the end, that'll be a treasure. The knowledge that we have of God that we can take with us. Seeking first what God wants is better because it's treasure that lasts forever. I can take a drink because I just rapped. Um, it's, no, it's a no-brainer. Um, seeking first God's kingdom and building treasure that lasts it's also better, there's reason number one. Reason number two, it's better because what God wants is spiritually healthy. Now, that sounds real weird, but we all know we want to be healthy. And there is a spiritual dimension to health. The World Health Organization, who's the, the authority on all things health, they state there's a spiritual dimension to health. You can see it on the quote on the next slide. Um, life can throw up some storms... And being spiritually healthy is the anchor that can hold you steady. You understand life, and you, because you have purpose in life, you can hold firm through those storms. So, the reason I think that is, have a look at verse 22. This is one of Jesus' Yoda moments, so you've got to try and think about it a little bit with me. So, the eye is the lamp of the body. The eye, the lamp of the body, that's like, what does that mean? I think it's what you set your vision on, what you're focused on in life. So keep reading. If your eyes are healthy, if you set your focus on the right thing, your whole body will be full of light. So if you are focused on the right thing, which means your eye is good, then your whole body will be spiritually healthy. But if your eyes are unhealthy, you're stuffed. If your vision and focus is on the wrong thing, you'll be a mess. You'll be spiritually sick. If your vision in life is not God's kingdom, which is the vision you were made for, you'll be hungry and thirsty for answers that this world cannot provide you. When the storm of life hits you, you'll have no anchor, and that's trouble. So can we get these lights off for a second? All right, if you're on your phone right now, you're about to get exposed maybe. Who knows? All right. If they go darker, that'd be awesome. But if they don't, that's all right. Now, it's pretty dark in here. Now, imagine... Whoa, okay. Imagine life is this room right now. We want to know what life is. We want to be spiritually healthy, but it's dark. But wait, I've got this iPad shining in my face, so I can kind of see my nose, you can probably see my face, but that sucks for you. Um, I can see 
such a small amount, life is this whole room. And I can only see right here. So I'm going to focus on my nose here. I'll decide what life is all about based on this tiny bit I can see. I'd miss the point. Life's this whole room. You can turn those lights back on. When I put my focus solely, I should be putting my focus solely on God, but when I can't see everything, I'll put my focus somewhere where I can see, something stupid like my nose. So, was that room you? Do you know what life is about? Have you set your focus on the wrong things? Maybe it's a career or lifestyle um, where you just want to spend big and get sweet houses and cars and epic travels. Um, More likely, you have set your focus on relationship. You strive to make sure you don't uh, mess up and lose friendship or you strive to find that one person that's going to make your life complete. Are you setting yourself up for trouble when the storm hits? Are you spiritually sick? If that is you, address it tonight. Jesus wants to help you see that he died to save you from a fractured relationship with God. And as long as that relationship is broken, you will be spiritually sick, cut off from God who gave you life, who knows what's best for you, and you'll be answerable to him when he looks at your life and what you've set your vision on. Jesus died to bring you back with God. Set your focus on him. There's two reasons. Last reason. Living for kingdom, living with what God wants is best because of its master. If you thought spiritual sickness was weird, this could blow your mind. So get ready for this one. Verse 24, have a look there with me. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. There's a big assumption in this verse. You, me, we are mastered by something or someone. You and me are slaves to something. In the ancient world, slaves would have to fully submit to their masters, right? Whatever they say goes. Um, But masters also provided for their slaves. If they were good, if they were bad, you got nothing. But food, shelter, clothing, even money, security, protection, masters would provide that. So as we go about our lives, we're actually devoted to something and someone. We are looking to someone as well to provide for us. And money here, it's not just talking about a coin in your pocket, it's talking about material things. Um, And it is rife in our society to trust in your material things to protect you, ensure you, and make sure that when tragedy hits, you've got plan B. Who will you make the master of your life? Don't make this mistake. How crazy would you need to be to choose to be mastered by anything or anyone else other than the eternal God who rules this world, who made you and knows you and loves you? The best way to live is with God as your master, to set your vision on Him and to store up everlasting treasure. We need to be undivided, though, in our devotion to Him, don't we? The best way to live is to seek first what God wants, but seeking first His kingdom can't be half-hearted. If you're storing treasures in this world, 
You're not storing them in heaven. If your vision is not set on God, it's set somewhere else. And if you're not making God your master, something or someone else is. So, chuck your eyes to this screen. I think we have a video. You can give me the phone. Oh, yeah, we got it. All right, little dog trying to get through a room. Can't do it. All right, one more little dog. Oh, yeah, that'll do. Um, if you want to get through the door, you've got to drop the stick. If you want the best ambition in life, you have to be devoted to God's ambition for you. You can't have a bit of this world and a bit of the next. Your treasure, your focus, your master can only be in one place. It's in heaven or it's on earth. It's in the powerful God or in some tiny piece of his creation. Drop the stick, enter through the door of putting your trust in Jesus to save you and pick the best life. If you don't trust Jesus, I want to ask you this question. And the question is, how do you answer the big questions of life? Our world pretends to have, sorry, our world pretends to have answers, but it's like a tiny iPhone torch in a big dark room. Ah, that's good. Following Jesus and his way is worth it because it actually turns the lights of life back on. Life has purpose, it has meaning, but people don't want to talk about it, do they? And I wonder if that's you tonight. I often speak with people and you try and think, oh, what happens after life? What's the point of being here? Oh, it's too hard. I don't want to think about it. But you must take time to consider that. Don't get to your deathbed and look back on your life and wonder what was the point. Why did I even live? You've got to answer the big questions. Don't run away from the longing in your heart to know what life is about. And for many of us who do trust Jesus and do seek to live with his ambition to seek first the kingdom, the distractions aren't worth it. God has called you to the best ambition. Drop the stupid stick and pursue the best ambition. There are times, though, when we'll pick up the stick. There are times when the stick looks like a crown pies, a buffet breakfast with some juicy bacon and a nice hot coffee. But... Pursuing the things in this world, they look good, they promise much, but they deliver trash. So when your friend, so you see your friend, you envy them, you envy the way they live, what they're doing, turn the lights back on. Remember that you have meaningful purpose. You can say no when temptation confronts you. When you you can stop yourself on the trajectory of sin with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Um, you can stop yourself from idealizing the job, the family, the car, the holiday, the gap year, the paycheck at the end of the degree. You can catch yourself when you're making a dumb decision based on short-term comfort because God is the best treasure. Remember that when you're tempted or when you feel like you're missing out. So... The best ambition is to seek what God wants. That's the best life. But life's complex, isn't it? Yes, correct. If you don't plan for the future and only pursue what God wants, things could go pretty bad, couldn't they? You might fail important exams. You might not get that scholarship, get into that team. But this passage says 
things will be okay. The best way to live is to seek what God wants and he will take care of your needs. Check it out in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Therefore, it says at the start, because we are pursuing what God wants and He is our Master, why worry about life? If it is God, the sovereign ruler, who takes care of the birds and the grass, he's going to take care of you. You are much more valuable than they are. If God is in control, you can trust him and let go of worldly worries. So what do you worry about? That test that's coming up, the assignment that was due yesterday or last week, the hurtful message from a person you thought was a friend or from family, the worry about what job you'll do for the rest of your life, whether I'll have a family. What if I can't find that someone that actually wants to live their life with me? Whether or not anxiety is a feeling that you have sometimes or whether it's a medical anxiety that impacts all of your daily life. Um, and I know for many of us, that's, for you, that's you. Um, we can all agree, can't we, that we'd rather not live with anxious thoughts. They suck. They grip us and they make small, insignificant things feel like a tsunami. When God is your master, when you're seeking his kingdom, worry doesn't actually make sense. Have a look in verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes, about food, or acceptance, or Instagram likes, and other trash? Why? Why would we worry when God is sovereign and cares for us? Well, the answer's in verse 30. Have a look there. This is why we worry. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. The word faith is trust. When Jesus says you of little faith, he's saying that you aren't trusting God. When you worry about your future, it's because you don't think God's got your back. Our worries show us that we don't trust our sovereign Father. Occasionally, I'll take time out of my lunch and I'll help maybe like a little year seven kid with their assignment because they're worried about it and so I'll help them. And I'll do my best to help them without doing it for them and so I'll say, oh, you sure you spelt that right? Um, Or do you think you should add something about that sword we were looking at a second ago? Um, imagine if the kid just turned to me and said, thanks, but I've got this. Um, I think I'll do a better job without you. You probably don't really know what I need to do anyway. Hello, kid, I made the assignment, I'm marking the thing, shut up and listen, all right? Um, Lucky, though, God's not like me. Because we can be like that kid, going through life thinking that we know better than God as though somehow our worrying and our efforts get us the job, get us the family, that with our own strength we get through life. No, 
God is sovereign. If it, weren't for God, if it weren't for God sustaining you right now and commanding your heart to beat, you would drop dead. God sovereignly sustains you. So we put the kingdom first and we're able to, ch- we don't have to chase the other things. Now, when I was one, right, I was pretty cute. You will see a photo in a second. I had this like ratty little mullet. No one else can pull off a mullet. Mullet. You'll see a photo in a second. Um, but when I was one, I was told that I used to go around saying, shummage, shummage, shummage. All right, that's what I used to say. I like sandwiches. I didn't know how to say it. I wasn't worried about food though because I just said, shummage, shummage, shummage. And before I knew it, boom, there's a st- sandwich in my hand and then it kind of got on my face and sometimes some of it made it to my stomach. To get food now, though, it's a little more difficult. I've got to work to earn money. I've got to go to the shops. I've got to take it home, store it in the right place. Then when it's time to cook, I listen to my wife and shazam, I got myself some food. All right? This week, I had lamb's brain frittata. How messed up's that? Um, but it actually tasted good. Um, which one, though, when did God provide the food? Well, it was both. Both times, through His means. The fact I've got a job is the goodness of God. The fact I have money in the bank and my card works when I tap it at a place that sells food, God does that. Whether I stressed about getting enough food that week or if I walked around saying, shummage, 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 all right, God provides the food. Now, I could go stupidly insane chasing food, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'd get it. Because God is in control. So trust God and let go of earthly worries. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Now, I don't know about you, but that raises some questions for me <laughs> when I read that. Here's a couple of questions. There's more, but this is what we've got time for tonight. Does that mean Christians should never starve to death? Because God provides. And does that mean you shouldn't get a job? You should just spend your whole time chasing the kingdom? Let's have a think about that. First question. Does that mean Christians should never starve to death because God provides for them? Well, no. Paul was hungry and he was flat-knacked chasing the kingdom. Jesus was hungry. God isn't promising prosperity and he isn't promising that you'll never lack lack your daily needs. So what is he saying here? Well, just like he feeds the birds, just like he feeds the pagans when they think they're earning their food from worshipping some false gods, he says, I'm powerful enough to feed you and clothe you when you put the kingdom as your first priority. But at some point, God will stop your, telling your heart to beat. Whether through starvation or some mysterious death, God will call time on all of our lives. A Christian may starve, but it won't be because they weren't pursuing food as their number one priority. It will be because God has sovereignly made it happen. So regardless, you can trust Him to put the kingdom first and provide for your daily needs. It is a promise that we can let go of earthly worry, earthly things, and put what God wants first, and He'll take care of the rest. 
Second question, if God tells me to um, chase the kingdom, make it number one in my life, why not just ditch school, ditch getting a job and just spend my whole time telling people about Jesus? Well, have a look at verse, sorry, um, 2 Thessalonians, it's going to come on the screen, chapter 3, verse 10. Have we got screen happening? Yes, sweet. Um, Here's what it says. Uh, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. If you don't work when you're able to, you shouldn't expect food. There is a pattern that God has put into creation. Even in the Garden of Eden, we maintained it and cared for it, and that was the way that God provided our food. To say to God, your way isn't any good, my way is better. I just want you to provide my food in some more miraculous way and less ordinary way. That's not trusting God, though. That's throwing off your responsibility and not trusting His means of providing your daily needs. But God, He can and has provided food in miraculous ways as well. Um, But we're commanded to follow the creative pattern in this verse. He is put, um, the creative pattern he's put in place. So trust God to provide through the means he has established. Get a job <laughs> when you can. Um, while we're thinking about jobs, though, I want to th- ask this question. Because be- pursuing the kingdom should cha- uh, shape the job we choose. Will you choose a career based on earthly reasons? Your job will take up the bulk of your future. It would be crazy to choose a job based on earthly, comfort, earthly comforts, like how much money will it give us? Think about the kind of job you want. Will it allow you to seek first the kingdom and do kingdom-focused work? Pursuing the kingdom of God should shape the whole trajectory of your life. We want to store treasures at last. We want to make our heavenly Father our master... We want a life that has purpose, that pursues the kingdom, makes it number one. So you need to think, when I make a decision about the future, will it be based on putting the kingdom as my number one? Will that degree, will moving to that place, will dating that guy or girl help me put the kingdom as my number one priority? Whatever your future plans, and they are only plans, God will have his way, But whatever you plan, make sure the kingdom of God is at the center. It might be hard, there will be tough times, but it's way better than any other offer. What is your ambition in life? What drives you? What motivates you? What are you pursuing? What is your purpose? Make it your number one aim in life to pursue God's kingdom and righteousness. I bet I 